All right, disclaimer time. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a scientist. I'm not even someone that studies in this world of of dietary sciences. Uh, I am someone that arrived at a point. I have tinkered around and toyed around with enough dietary things and, and have had exposure in enough places over the years by having an interest in the subject that, to me, this high-fat, low-carb diet seemed like the most logical place for me to, to land. And with that said, I don't know how this plays out in, in the future. Um, what I do know is I'm having some very positive benefits. Are those benefits short-term because I've cleaned up some other things? Maybe, um, but I don't know until I kind of stay on this path for a while. And and with that in mind, you know, this is just a path that I'm on and I've chosen. And there's not anything keeping me from learning about other things. There's nothing to keep me from saying that taking out a certain component of this diet that I'm currently using on high fat won't benefit uh, won't benefit me or adding in something else to this high fat diet that maybe I've kind of kept a stiff arm at um, won't be helpful. Uh, but the only way to do that is I got to start somewhere and that's what I did. So I'm not here to to demonize anything. Um, there are plenty of places on the the internet that you can you can find that. Feel free to to go look at the latest person yelling at another person that has a different opinion of paleo versus keto versus vegan versus ovo lacto versus whole food versus whatever. You can go find that information wherever you want and 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 pick your side. I'm actually not here to, to pick a side. I'm, I'm here to experiment and try all this stuff. Um, my goal is not to be the best keto athlete or the best vegan athlete or the best paleo athlete. My goal is to be the best Travis. And the only way I can be the best Travis is by, is by seeing what works. And I can't settle on something until I've tried something. And that's where I'm at right now. Um, just like I don't want to be, you know, the fastest person to cross the Sahara in a pair of wool socks, I'd rather be the fastest person to, to cross the Sahara. Regardless of what the diet is, regardless of what's on my feet, I don't, those are not the things that are, are the important. So I'm not cr- creating tribalism here, and that's not my goal. My goal is very much to just share with you what I've done, how I've done it, and the places that I've looked to that have helped guide me along the way. So hopefully that helps. To start, there's a couple of ways to get to this ketosis, and my goal was not is not to be a ketogenic athlete. My my goal is not to to be a uh, somebody that's that's keto. I'm, I'm I want to use it as a tool that helps me take in less calories, burn onboard fat, and and lessen hopefully the amount of kind of gut bombs that I have through through racing. So I jumped in with, with that idea um, and, and I wanted to tap into these fat stores and, and, and do that because it's not a weight thing for me. It's not a body fat or body image thing for me. I'm in good shape. Um, sure, I think everybody's always got a little something they want to work on, but I don't have any real complaints about you know how I look or really even how I feel. Um, I just wanted to get this stomach thing dialed in and you again, use this as a tool, not as a I'm a keto athlete 
type of, of motion. So with that in mind, the goal here is to get to really a response so that your body says, okay, I'm don't have carbohydrates readily available, so I'm going to tap into these fat stores. That's a really simple thought of it. So there's a few ways that you can do that. So one is to lessen, of course, your amount of carbs. And there's, you know, a few ways there that that happens. One is you can eat high carb diet, but you've got to eat less. So I eat maybe dinner and it's a high carb diet. And then I don't eat anything again until dinner the next day. So I'm kind of going into, in that mode, an intermittent fast. I didn't choose that diet because to me it felt like the most kind of unnatural way to do things and with a family and with work travel and going to business lunches and business dinners, it felt like that was going to be kind of a problematic approach to just sit there and, and, and not eat um, and only eat one time a day to, to do this. So that one was out, but it is a way that, that it can happen. The second one is supplementation. So if you go to the grocery store now, at least I went to a local one here in, in Oregon the other day, and there was a whole end cap in the supplement aisle that was like keto, keto, keto. And um, so it's obviously a thing that we're hearing more and more about. And there are supplements you can take that are going to promote your liver to to create ketones in your, in your body. I didn't go that route either because to me that felt like kind of a shortcut and I didn't want to just take these things and, and, and do that. I wanted to, to do the diet for the purpose of, one, having a little bit of, of control, I guess you could say, of, of what I was taking in. Uh, and if I was to supplement, I felt like I wasn't going to have to, to, to kind of make that hard truth on myself. Um, so I skipped the supplementation side. And the side I went with was I stayed to a normal diet which is to eat a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner, and, and sometimes snacks in between. But that that food was replacing the carbohydrate, so maybe the rice and the breads and the processed sugar and eliminating the the half teaspoon of, of or full teaspoon of, of raw sugar and milk that I put in my coffee in the morning and replacing those things with with good fats. And when I replace those things with, with good fats over time, what's happening is, is, is I'm in carbohydrate restriction. And I think I want to point out here, and I think the thing that I learned after the fact, or maybe through the fact, um, through some different podcasts that I was listening to, specifically one I'm going to, um, it's a two-parter that I'm going to link, and it, it's, I think, either in, on the Primal Endurance or the Primal Blueprint uh, channel, and it's this Dr. Kate, C-A-T-E, and she talks about how you can get into ketosis or how you can get your liver to start producing ketones. And it's the three things that I said, and I guess starvation in general is, is another one, right? You can be starved and, and do that. You can have the flu and not be eating and, and have your body producing ketones because it's in a state of like, we're not getting food and I can't eat. So I'm going to do this. But she walks through and, and really talks about all this information. And to me, the the one that struck out or stuck out the most was High-fat diet doesn't necessarily equal um, this ketogenic response. And that's one of the things I really like about that Primal Endurance channel or, or Primal Blueprint channel is that they're open to other ideas. They're opening to listening to this other other thought. Um, and that's and, and to me was, was kind of this, oh, 
all right, that makes sense. So it's 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 not necessarily about the addition or the uh, increased intake in fat that's going to push the ketogenic response. It's this fact that I don't have the carbs in my body to be able to to go out and, and start burning off of, right? So kind of an interesting thought, and depending on how you eat and what you want to do, it may not have to be a high-fat thing. You may choose one of these other types of methods, but it not isn't necessarily the fact that you eat butter and bacon that pushes you into this area. And I think that's a really important thing that I learned through all of this is that there are there are lots of ways to do things. There are right ways, there's wrong ways, there's ways kind of in the middle, but you kind of have to really work through it and go out and listen and find information to really get kind of the the thing that, that is going to work for you because we're an experiment of one, but you've got to find this information. Um, you can't just take it from whoever or whatever book. You have to kind of continually listen because dietary sciences in general are super in flux. We're learning all types of stuff that we didn't know already, and it's because population is really hard to um, to study uh, because there's so many different types of food available. There's so many different lifestyles. People have different levels of stress and different levels of activity and different quality intake, so it's really hard to track this stuff down. But the thing I found the most interesting was it is not the high intake of fat that necessarily leads to it. In my example, and the way I did it, it was the high, uh, I used high intake of fat to be my calories. And for a reference, Dr. Kate has a really nice chart on her website that talks about the different types of fats that your body responds to really well, and ones that it doesn't, ones that are good for cooking, ones that are bad on high heat. Um, and, And to me, that was a nice sort of guiding principle that I used because I did go this route of adding lots of of fat, good fats into my diet to replace those carbohydrates that helped me keep my calories up, but allowed me to keep my carbohydrate load down. So again, it it wasn't the, or it doesn't seem to be, and again, from uh, a woman that actually studies and is a doctor and is a genetic and and biochemist uh, that studies these things. She's actually saying it's not the fat intake that gets you there. It's the lack of carbs that gets you there. And for me, because I wanted to maintain this normalcy and and sort of this connection and and with coworkers and my family and, and friends where I could eat with them and spend time with them, I chose to go the higher fat intake. That way my calories stayed up uh, and I was able to sort of I don't know, feel like a normal human, even though I was on this diet and I was cutting out a lot of this extraneous stuff um, that I had normally had as a part of my diet. So to start, I'll, I'll say that I, I use a coach to help me through some of this stuff. Um, and I use Jeff Browning. And what led me to Jeff was Jeff's in his 40s. He's got a family and some kids and he does this high fat low carb diet. So for me being moving into my 40s, having family and kids and having some prior experience with the paleo/primal slash primal type of 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 diet 
that felt like that was a good fit for me based off of what I wanted to do. Um, I had heard Jeff a while back on the Primal Endurance podcast talking about how he decided and why he decided to move into uh, into this diet. And Jeff's a, a pretty well-read guy, so I, I, I will link that in the show notes uh, to this episode as well, something you can check out. But he was really helpful in in guiding me and giving me examples. But it was still up to me to actually put this stuff into practice and to do it myself. Right? I can have a call with him every other week that tells me, hey, here's some, here's some advice on you know, some foods to take if you're traveling. Really helpful, but that doesn't take care of the other seven days of the week, right? So um, it, it still was important for me to kind of get my head around this and, and to, to do it on my own. So the general consensus on how to get to a ketogenic state, and again, the idea being get to this state so that I can use it as a tool, I wanted to look at at this dietary component just like I look at every other part of training. If I've got a really hilly race coming up, I do more hills. If I have a fast race coming up, I do more speed work. I do base building in the early parts of the season. I do strength training. I do stretching. I do all these things that sort of have um, impact on certain types of of movement or running or courses that I'm going to be on. So I wanted to add diet in there too versus it being an afterthought. So diet here is a tool, just like hill work is a tool, to be better at hills. I have a better dietary approach that I can be better at living, so that I can be better at using my onboard fat stores, so that I can be better at not being so carb hungry. So when I took that approach, that really helped me kind of get my head around it, move away from this idea of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm on this restrictive diet, and more of, I'm doing this thing because it's going to help me in running, but as I mentioned in the last podcast, it, it, it help in, helped in other aspects that were definitely not um, not anticipated, but, but really welcome. So the way to go about it is general consensus is to limit your carbohydrate intake to less than 50 grams of carbohydrates a day. Now, if you're thinking like, what does that look like? That's like a banana and a half. Of, of carbs in a day. Now, I don't necessarily want to use a banana as an example because bananas are a fruit. It's a good food. It's got all kinds of extra stuff in there, um, you know, fiber and, and, and nutrients, potassium, right? Things that are good for you as a human that are not bad. But I was eating a lot of empty calorie stuff just because, again, that's kind of part of the diet. So the elimination of breads and rice and and sugar in my coffee and some of these other things were were the things that I, I really concentrated on the most and I tried not to stress out about the fruit calories at all. So um, I wasn't eating massive amounts of fruit, but I still ate blueberries, dark berries. Um, I ate some grapefruit. I would have apples, especially after after workouts, uh, sometimes bananas after, after workouts. But if you'll notice, when I'm kind of pointing out some of these some of these things I was saying after workouts. And so I, I did this 50 grams of, of uh, carbs per day, and I stuck to that really, really, really well. And the only times when I kind of had something that may have been an increased sugar load, it was from a piece of fruit or several pieces of fruit, with the idea being those are better replacements than just 
going and getting a piece of pizza. It was not a uncommon thing for me to finish a big run on a weekend and stop at Taco Bell and get a couple of tacos and a burrito and a Coke. Or go to McDonald's and get two cheeseburgers with no onions, uh, French fries, and again, like a, a, a large Coke or I guess Dr. Pepper. I don't think I have Dr. Pepper at, uh, at McDonald's, um, but they do it. They do at Taco Bell. And, and it's delicious. It's good. It tastes good. But it's not good for you. And, and we all know that. So part of all of this was the reward for me is, is the good workout. And if I can put better food in post-workout, then that's got to be a benefit and it's got to be a, a good thing. So 50 grams of carbs per day, when I did take in possibly more than that number, it was generally around hard workouts where long workout day or long workout plus weights. Um, so I was really kind of strategic about where those things fit in. So again, a banana and a half is not that much. So what did my diet look like? Well, it was eggs, um, organic free-range eggs was is, is generally the, the route that I would go to. I would have eggs in the morning, maybe an omelet um, with some vegetables and, and some, some good low uh, or qu- quality cheeses, quality sources, you know, grass-fed cows, that kind of stuff, um, and, and some veggies. Lunchtime might be turkey with, with avocado and a huge salad covered in, in walnuts and olive oil with a little bit of balsamic vinegar. Um, dinner time might be something like, uh, grass fed burgers. And again, like a a big salad or a big salad and broccoli. And in, in this early stages, I was using, I would say fats a lot more things like butter, um, to, to put on food, to increase the caloric density, even though the kind of value is not that great, right? From, from, from a little bit of butter, but that was a fairly common approach. And I also, I used the Bulletproof coffees, which I think get get talked about a lot, where you make coffee, you put in some MCT oil or some, some coconut oil along with, you know, some butter and you whip that up. And as somebody that's a coffee drinker and that was historically putting in a little bit of sugar, uh, maybe a, a, a teaspoon of sugar along with some half and half, those bulletproof coffees were a good crutch because again, calories were are important. I'm an athlete. I'm not trying to do calorie restriction. I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm trying to get myself to a position of being able to to turn on this fat burning. And so to do that, I'm having to limit my carbohydrate intake. So I did this bulletproof coffee. And it was a really good crutch, but it's not something that I do as much now uh, as I used to. Uh, and the reason is, is because I just feel like there are more calorically dense foods that I could get into myself that that aren't that. Do I still use them from time to time? Sure. They're a nice treat. And I would say it's a better treat than me going to, to you know Starbucks and getting a salted caramel mocha. So they, they're there, but they're not necessarily a staple of my diet. I like to use them uh, early morning runs. I don't always feel like eating first thing in the morning, and that's a way I can get a little bit of calories in me uh, and kind of get my day started. Now, when you hear all this, you think, man, less than a banana and a half of sugars or carbohydrates per day, that's got to be tough to train on. And the answer is 
yeah, it's actually really hard to train on. So when I went through this diet, I started January 1st. And the reason I started January 1st is because I didn't have any races coming up until March, and I knew it would give me enough time to do my slow base building and not have to worry about speed, not have to worry about tons of endurance, and allow me to really take this diet and this change on without getting wrapped up in training because the the something has to give. That's what this comes down to. Uh, and I decided to dedicate this time to that because I knew if I tried to do it in the middle of the season, there's no way because there's always another race. There's always another adventure. There's always something else coming up. So 50 grams of carbs for about four to six. I think I landed in about the five week range um, before I really started noticing uh, a significant change to how I was to how I was feeling and feeling myself really becoming adapted to this eating lifestyle. And again, you kind of heard my mention of 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 my my food plan. Lots of veggies, lots of green veggies, lots of of above ground veggies. If I was to add in you know, some starches or some tuber type things. They were beets. They were sweet potatoes. They were were uh, red potatoes. And again, I tried to sort of model those after big efforts. Uh, not so if I had a lower impact day where it was like my just kind of normal one hour um, ish seven mile run around the neighborhood. I generally kept those in the lower carb ranges. And if it was a bigger higher effort, you know, three-hour run, if you will, uh, then I might increase that carb intake either directly for, directly after, or maybe even both, depending on just kind of how I was feeling. So there's a little bit around implementation and, and how I put this into play. So 50 grams, four, five, six weeks, choose one of the methods that, that you think works best for you. Again, I'm kind of going with the dad businessman, married, you know, person route here. And for me, it was being able to, to eat at a normal schedule. So what I'll do with that is next episode, I'm going to go into more of the, I think, specific implementations. Cause I, what I found was it wasn't necessarily the day to days. I could eat eggs. I could, I could eat a big salad and put some chicken on it and, and, you know, hamburgers with no buns. I think those types of things are are maybe the more easy things to, to deal with because you can get lots of cookbooks. And in fact, that was one of the things that, that Jeff Browning recommended to me was, hey, go out and find some cookbooks and, and find some replacements for your favorite meals so that you can continue to, you know, do this and, and replace maybe those favorite meals of yours that are high, high carb or maybe low, low beneficial carb and replace them with something really good. And um, so you can find those, you can do meal planning, you can do that kind of stuff. But I found that the, the one-off scenarios to be the harder things to deal with. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into that a little bit. I'm going to dive into traveling and when you're on the go, I'm going to dive into kind of dealing with this in a simple way with a family um, who's not eating like this. And, um, you know, hopefully just shed a little bit of light on how you can get through something like this 
specifically in the early parts where you are craving, you are hungry, you do want something. I found some good ways of, of dealing with that and, and, uh, and, and we'll dive into that on the next one. So any questions or comments, you can find me at Travis Lyles, T-R-A-V-I-S-L-I-L-E-S, uh, on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and you can also go to Lyles Trials, L-I-L-E-S-T-R-I-A-L-S.com. Uh, go to the podcast section there of the website. I'll have episode one, two, and three there, along with any show notes. And the show notes for this one will be uh, the information from Dr. Kate, which shows the oils. It'll have the two podcasts as well as the Jeff Browning podcast. So you can also leave anything you want there in the comments, and I'll do my best to, to answer those. So with that said, I appreciate you listening to episode three, and we'll talk to you next time.